Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hey, we're back with a BSBOT. We are joined by our co-worker and beat writer for the Athletic Pittsburgh. It is Jesse Marshall. Jesse, how are you doing on this lovely Wednesday evening? Oh, it's we're doing well. Life life is chock full of excitement right now inside this house. So that many we've been staying in for the last four months. Yeah, uh, it feels like an eternity, if I'm being honest. But yeah. we've all spoken about that forever, haven't we? We have, and, and, and here we are still. Still yeah, doing it. I, b- b- before before we get into the nitty gritty, did you guys have you guys noticed March and April felt like they took years, literally years. I April was one of the longest months I've ever experienced in my entire life. But once we got to May, days stopped meaning anything. Like I didn't yeah. know it was September. I had no idea. This is the sneakiest September of all time. It just like popped right up as like football's next week. What? <laughs> this doesn't make any sense. I was looking at a document that I signed today. It was dated in February, and when I looked at that, and I said like February, like it just—I I, remember—it feels like a whole nother universe ago. Like we're not even in the same reality as February. But it was seven months. How much life changes? It's crazy. Jesse, that was an amazing transition because last year you wrote an article about a coach that is now coaching for the the New York Rangers, Jacques, Jacques Martin. I'm gonna kill that name forever. Um, and you wrote like a really a lot of nice things about him. Um, and said like you know he would have been the brains behind the defense and this this article was written in March uh, twenty March twentieth two thousand nineteen and little did we know what was coming next year didn't we had no uh, we had no clue but now that that article is sort of a year old and now he's out of Pittsburgh in the defending uh, defending coaching position position and now coaching for the Rangers what was the rest of his tenure like for the Pittsburgh Penguins yeah I think well first of all you know a lot of people kind of referred to him as like Mr. Organized was his nickname. Yeah, I so that. he he had Jacques I think Jacques Martin is always going to have like a little bit of that old school, you know, like early to mid 90s hockey mentality, but I also think a compliment to him is that he proved adaptable in that when the Penguins like really shifted to going to iPads on the bench and feeding video down and having, you know, like a Sergey Gonchar upstairs relaying information to Jacques Martin. Like he was all on board with that. So I think it, like some of the more cutting edge stuff that came along later, it wasn't like he was a dinosaur, you know, it was like pushing back against all that. So I, I think you have like, you know, that 90s style hockey, we all know guys being in the same division as the devils back then, you know, it, it was all about defense. That's that two line pass. You know, that's what it was all rooted in. So I still think there's stuff you can draw off there, and I think he did. Um, but I also think that he wasn't necessarily handcuffed to what he what he knew in his heyday, right? Which is probably one of the nicer compliments I think he could give to um, 
to, to a, you know, an older gentleman in a hockey coaching or operations role. Uh, so I think they, for, for the perspective of Rangers fans, you know, he's not going to come storming in with like reinventing the wheel or, you know, bringing a bunch of data with him. Uh, but I also think that there's an adaptability there that everybody should feel at least semi-comfortable with. Before we go too much into what Martin does well, I, I think it's important for us to kind of set the, paint the picture here for Ranger fans that are trying to understand. Simply put, they're going to hear a lot of nice things about Jacques Martin from a lot of different people. But it's important to remember that this is a guy that, for a reason, wasn't brought back by the Pittsburgh Penguins. What exactly was that reason? Was that reason justified? Why was Jacques Martin even available for the Rangers? I think it was really just a, a victim of circumstance, guys, to be honest with you. I don't think, you know, of the of the coaches that got let go, uh, Jacques Martin's probably the one you'd point at and be like, you know, I think he's the least the least amount of blame of anyone maybe other than Sergei Gonchar. Uh, Mark Recchi was the big one because the Penguins' power play was so bad, and it was just a problem. You know, with that amount of star power, there's just no excuse for it. Um, you don't really get the sense they had a plan. You know, the forward group at certain points throughout this year was super frustrating, and that's sort of his responsibility. I think Jacques Martin did pretty well considering the fact that he had to deal with Jack Johnson. Um, Justin Schultz had an awful year for the Penguins, and, and, and it was a struggle. But you also look at, like, some of the wins that Schultz had. And it just rehabilitating his entire career, for example, in Pittsburgh. That was a Jacques Martin uh, special, uh, I think, along with, with, again, Sergei Gonchar. And then I'll point to, like, John Marino, another really young player uh, who's a completely different style and mold of, of the ones we just mentioned. And I think that the coaching staff did a phenomenal job with both he and Marcus Pedersen. Um, so I don't, I don't know that there was really anything other than the Penguins needed to do something to change it up and to, to kind of shock the culture and they weren't going to fire a two time Stanley cup winning head coach in, in, in that process. Um, so I think that this was more of an opportunity to maybe give him the chance to pick some of his staff, maybe get a successor in there. And uh, you know, I don't think Jacques Martin fit that bill. Do you think if the penguins are still in the playoffs right now at the end of the season, that Martin is gone? No. Right. No, I, well, let me rephrase. Cause I, you know, I think it's, there's still, you know, if it had, if they'd squeaked by, yeah. Let's say they're let's say Montreal. they're playing Game Six tonight versus the, the Islanders or whatever. Yeah, I think that you're safe. Yeah, it's it's just such a straight. Uh, we talk about this all the time, but if you have a job in the NHL, you just get a job over and over again, no matter what you do for the rest of your life. And I don't know how you could squeeze into a job because Martin, from what I could tell, has been coaching since he's like a, a child. Like it's just like he's been <laughs> in the league for like 80 years at this point. Um, it seems like he has a great track record rehabilitating players like you've, you've noted. Do you think he has any chance to do anything with Mark Stahl? <laughs> I don't know if, <laughs> I don't know if that is, uh, um, is that, is that coachable? I don't think that's coachable guys. Yeah. You might be, you might be asking for a bit too much with that one. Yeah. Um, I don't know. We've, we've heard a couple of people say nice things about Jack Johnson the last couple of days. Anything's possible. Hey, he's, a, <laughs> he's a, he's a, he's a, He's a suitable third line. The only one. Yes. Uh, I don't understand that contract. And the Mark Stahl contract didn't make sense at the time, but it was like sort of earned. The Jack Johnson one is like question mark and still is, is, is that what is the, is there a plan for Jack? I'm breaking off of uh, our narrative here, but is there a plan for Jack Johnson moving forward currently? Elliot Friedman, um, who I, you know, obviously respect a lot. um, Uh, 
said this week in his in his 31 thoughts podcast that he thought that all the laudits the penguins are giving jack johnson they actually meant hmm. and there's really no reason to believe him like to not believe him because i i, I mean I, I don't know I, I think they really do believe that this is like some form or fashion of of really good player that they could get a lot out of um I, again I, I mean it's it's baffling to just about everybody but them so I don't I think the plan is to continue to play him which I think every Rangers fan should be like yes <laughs> so we, just, we we did you, this you trick know? though you know we did this trick we we pumped up Neil Pionk we were like he's the best we played him like first line minutes like in the playoffs and then we traded him for Jacob Truba like that's just what we did and I I wonder if the Penguins were under the same circumstance well, they did try to trade him last last year um, when Phil Kessel uh, left. They initially had a, a deal in not in place, but they tried to trade Phil Kessel to Minnesota. And as a part of that, that was to get Jason Zucker, who they ended up getting anyway. But part of that deal was Jack Johnson going to Minnesota. But because Phil Kessel uh, shot that down and had vetoed the trade uh, due to his limited movement clause, you know, here we are. So uh, it's it's you know the the more tape you get on a player like that, the harder it becomes to verbally PR your way out of something like that, you know, because everybody else is watching the show. Like they, they know what's going on. Like, you know, it's like going to a used car lot and there's like a 93 Cavalier. So it got like three tires, but the salesman's like, let me tell you right now, like the suspension, this thing is, you're not going to feel a bump. <laughs> Come on, man. It's a 93 Cavalier. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, it is. It is nearly impossible to unite hockey Twitter on anything. And the day Jack Johnson signed for five years, I think all of hockey Twitter was like, what is this? Why, why yeah, have you that, done this to yourself? Things. And then like, like the, any incident involving Tom Wilson is probably the other one. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Capitals fans That's still true. defend Tom Wilson. Yeah. Like even pe- the Penguins fans that I've decided to keep in my life, most of them are like, I, I don't know. I don't know what yeah. to tell you here. That's true. Um, back to Jacques Martin for a second. If it, as a Ranger fan, or if you're trying to explain to a Ranger fan, the one thing Martin does incredibly well, the thing that Ranger fans should be maybe excited's not the word, because I don't know the last time anyone should be excited about an essential defensive coordinator coming to your favorite sports team. I'm excited. But if there's one thing to be like, if, if you're not included, right? Okay. If there's one thing a Ranger fan should step back and be like, all right, this is the thing he's bringing to the Rangers that's going to make a difference. What is that one thing? I'll give you two because um, nice. I can't pick between these. I think the first one is, and I and it's funny because now that I mentioned this, I've, I've like I don't know if you guys will agree with it, but I've heard Rangers fans complain about it. So like a lot of discussion about like I guess the overall like system you're running now seems to be about like this soft gap or like maybe too much room at the, at the defensive blue line. We're kind of let people. Um, yeah. The, the New York, the New York Rangers absolutely love giving up the blue line. Yeah. Like that's not going to jive. I don't think with Jacques Martin, um, the penguins were really sort of aggressive in how they defended their blue line. And I think just through their structure, which, which by the way, guys, really all they did. And like you play NHL 21, you see puck side overload, right? Like, they just flood the side of the ice the puck's on. They really try to overwhelm the opposition in the battle areas. And the real vulnerability, I guess I would say, the Penguins had during the time they, they sort of had Jacques Martin in charge of the defense was corner to slot plays. Because you're really relying, you know, when, that, when you're overloading where the puck is and it's in that corner, you're really relying on one forward standing by themselves in the slot 
to basically defend that play. And, and, you know, Crosby Malkin really adept at it, you know, could handle that. But if you've got forwards that aren't, you know, super adept defensively, or you've got concerns about it's a big role for them, right? It's a super big role for them to, hold that whole responsibility of the slot and then there's nobody else there that's helping them. Uh, so I think that the whole theme really from top to bottom from blue line out was just about being aggressive and not ceding time and space to anybody. And it gave players like, you know, like Chris Letang, Brian Dumoulin, real big, long rangey defensemen. Um, the Penguins had to go out there and, and keep a strong gap and be aggressive and get turnovers. So I would say that's probably that. That's one of the biggest ones, and, and really just being an astute observationalist. And I, I kind of wrote an ar- the article about that. Um, you know, it was funny they, they did a brief like fifteen second interview with him between the periods, uh, and they said, you know, what do you see, coach? He goes, well, I'll tell you right now, we got to stop having our third guy float high because he's looking for an entry out of the zone. And when we're in deep, <laughs> like it was just spit it out, <laughs> and then it, like everybody just Dan, like the interview guy Dan Potash was just like, okay. Back to you guys. And then literally everything he said came to fruition within the next 10 minutes. Like in one hand, you saw the Penguins take advantage of what he said. And on the other hand, you saw them not listen to him. And Carolina, I think the team was playing score goal. So, you know, that's what the Mr. Organized thing is, is it systems wise, you just get the sense that he's very well put together. I, I read the article and I have the quote in front of me. Uh, I, when I read the quote, it came off as like, he just said nothing because it was so much information at much that at once that my tiny brain couldn't handle it. But then when you break down the actual quote and clip by clip, uh, go through it, it's incredible that he's like, he pretty much narrowed down exactly what was going to happen in the, in the 10 seconds. And the Rangers, and I think Greg, you could agree with me or not agree with me on this. They really lack a plan on defense. Sometimes I, when we had Lindy Ruff as our defensive coordinator, it was always kind of like, what's our strategy again? Like, what what are we doing defensively? So for a fact to have someone that you have call like Mr. Organized come in, um, has to feel pretty good for Ranger fans after, well, Lindy Ruff's now a head coach, but I, I'm not really sure what Lindy Ruff's system was even when he was here. Which is never like really the kind of thing you want to have to say about a coach. <laughs> right. Welcome welcome to, welcome to the Penguins power play under Mark Recchi. Um, But I, <laughs> I think that Jacques Martin... Uh, you know, overall, uh, this is just such a good role for him because even as a head coach, he was so defensive. Um, uh, that that's really sort of now. I don't know. You guys have to answer this for me. Is he running the penalty kill? Uh, they yeah. said, yeah. Okay, because that was kind of like the one area that was un- unremarkable. I think um, we'll take and, we'll take unremarkable because okay, our penalty but... <laughs> our penalty kill for years has been flat out bad. There you go. Um, I think that's the one area where they really do give up a lot of space and they try to just – the Penguins really try to just collapse in on on the goalie and, and keep out that high percentage stuff. But you give up a lot of room when you do that, right? And you kind of cede a lot of space. So I, I think that's one thing to keep an eye on is what direction, you know, ultimately you get out of it. But based on what you just said, it sounds like you can only go up. So, Yeah, I mean – a large part of the reason why the Rangers could only go up is the reliance to use Mark Stahl under a top penalty kill unit. So maybe it's one of those, if you eliminate the thing that is most wrong with your penalty kill, it might not even be coaching, then your penalty kill will go up. But I, I, do, I do want to talk about the Rangers, obviously, for the most part, again, sans Mark Stahl, very young defensively, and they're going to remain young defensively for the foreseeable future. The Keandre Millers are going to come up. The, the Robertsons, the Zach Jones, the Niels Lundquists, all these children are going to play with two other children, Adam Fox and Ryan Lindgren. But 
as as old school as Martin is, he has a really good track record with young players, right? Yeah, um, I think, you know, uh, he got here right about the time Brian Dumoulin was coming into the league and I think played a pretty crucial role in his development. Um, I mentioned, you know, John Marino and, and Marcus Pedersen um, as just two names. I think it was difficult to sparse out, you know, I would say non-fundamental work, um, like, uh, was really handled by Jacques Martin. What I mean by that is like Sergey Gonchar was really in there doing a lot of video work with, with skating technique, um, you know, things of that nature. Like that, that was, you know, that was what Gonchar did, right? That was his game. Um, Martin, I think, was more on on the actual X's and O's of this thing, where you need to be on the ice, what, what's your assignment. Um, still a heavy reliance on video, but just in a different way. So I think it was kind of interesting in that the two of them together, one in a player development role, one in a coaching role, um, you know, you, you don't really know which one was the, the one that you know, rehabilitated a player or elevated a player's game. Uh, perhaps the answer is both, but I don't think anyone would say that the work Jacques Martin was doing was being, you know, wasn't a huge part of that. Um, you know, that, that's, you know, that's the one thing I think you can rest your hat on as a Rangers fan is just the sheer amount of work that he had to put in with a lot of really young defense and that have turned really good or are becoming really good, um, under his watch. It's always been incredible to me that the Penguins will just call up some random AHL or I've never heard of. And then that player is like during a playoff series and they will perform absolutely perfectly during the entire time. It's happened time and time again. And it's always pissed me off um, forever, but uh, Greg sort of stole my question. So I do want to ask now that we've, we have you here and you are covering the Penguins. What were your mentions like when the Penguins uh, made a trade for Kasman? Uh, it's tough for me to answer that because I think I, in retrospect, probably drove a lot of the chaos mm. just in the sense that like, I don't, I, I'm not, I think I owe it to, I think you guys would agree to like, uh, working for the athletic. I feel like you owe it to people to just be completely brutally honest. Uh, I don't have like another way to do it. So when that trade happened, you know, I just think from a value perspective is where you really lost me. Um, a first round pick you know, I think looking back um, at the Toronto hub of the athletic put out an article that said the average value and salary for a first round pick is about $9.3 million. Capita makes like $3.2 million and the Penguins gave up like their number two prospect in the system as well. Uh, and they didn't get a lot back. So, you know, uh, Kapanen didn't work out in Toronto because people said he couldn't keep up IQ wise with players like Matthews, Tavares, Marner. What makes you think he can keep up with Sidney Crosby? Like, if you don't think, <laughs> like, if he can, no disrespect to Austin Matthews, none. But nobody thinks the game on a, a Sidney Crosby level. Nobody. And it's just like he's very meticulous, very particular. And if that is in fact the case, and there is a gap there in his ability to think the game like that, and it's not going to last long. I think he could be a fruitful third line player for the Penguins, but then you traded a first round pick for a third line player. Yeah. So it still doesn't make any sense, right? Yeah. And I, it, yeah, Jim Rutherford, I think, is starting to uh, get on people's nerves in Pittsburgh with this perceived, uh, I'm going to just continue to trade for what's familiar, familiar to me thing. You know, it, you don't want to call it nepotism, not nepotism, uh, but it's keeping close what you know. And, and when you do that, you overpay for it. Yeah, it it was one of those weird deals 
where the second it was announced, not knowing what was going back to Toronto, there I, I felt annoyed that more teams were helping the Penguins either extend their window or just continue to give them good young players. Like I was really annoyed with the Zucker trade because I just felt like Minnesota could have gotten more for him from someone else. It didn't have to be Pittsburgh. So when when it flashed across Friedman's Twitter that it was Kapanen going to the Penguins, my initial reaction was annoyance. And then it was almost like with every piece of information we learned about the trade thereafter, it became almost laughable that this is what it was done. Because think, it, it, for me, it was the negotiation tactic almost of Rutherford. The Penguins had three things they could have done for the Leafs. They could have either given them a first-round pick, which I think straight up people would have complained about because of how good this draft is and just what we know of Kapanen. Even if you like Kapanen, a first-round pick that high would have bothered you probably. But you could have also looked at it from, well, you need to the, the Leafs need to trade them for cap space. So the Penguins probably could have gotten, you would think the Penguins could have gotten Kapanen for below market value because this was $3 million the Maple Leafs would have felt the need to get rid of. But then That's you added it. the fact. Yeah, yeah they, did, they did everything. They, they gave the Leafs cap room, a first-round pick, and a good prospect. Oh, and a good under-the-radar NHL player that might be able to do at least 85% of what Kapanen does with Rodriguez. So it's just like, why make the trade? What are you doing? Yeah, and there's a lot. I mean, there's, like I said, you know, it's just not just the fact that they drafted him, you know, it's the, it's Sammy's relationship to Jim Rutherford going all the way back to the Carolina days. Right. Um, you're probably going to, I would not be shocked guys. If you saw Max Domi become a penguin for some of those exact same reasons. Hmm. So it's what's, what's, are we being driven right now by like a vision and uh, a roster alignment? And, a, and a, a speed element that maybe dominated like 2016, 2017, or right now are we like just being driven by like the wanton desires <laughs> of whatever? I don't know. I mean, it just, it seems to me know, like still... it, it's, it's, you see Sidney Crosby's window closing and they're going to do everything to take advantage of that. They're pushing on the window. They're really pushing down on the window. And I think that's the scary part, right? Like the window is going to close one day. And, and your goal should be to do no, anything you can avoid closing that window and accelerating that process yourself. Right. Like I kind of feel like we're borderline letting that happen. Um, you know, it's, it's, you get, you care so much about that window uh, that I think you, you start to cut off your nose to spite your face a little bit, well, which is sort of less what ha exactly what happened to Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah. Well, the, the Blackhawks were actually going to be my example because what, what it, it's like the Penguins are trying to acquire players. I still like the Zucker trade from a Penguins perspective, but when you, when you comprehend the Zucker or not comprehend compound the Zucker trade with the Kapanen trade, it's like they're bringing in good players, good players under good contracts. That'll continue to be good contracts for the next couple of years. But the Penguins are quickly getting to a point where as soon as Crosby is no longer effective, whenever that day comes, we don't know they're not doing anything to make sure that there is going to be another young wave to come. Whenever Crosby windows closing or closes completely, the Penguins are going to be bad for a while straight up. Yeah. I mean, unless they, you know, can pull a Rangers. Hey, we'll get back to Jesse in a second, but let's just take a quick break. This is the athletic football show. 
I think every football season is a big challenge in one way or another. Introducing the Athletic Football Show, an all-new podcast with me, Robert Mays, and a team of world-class NFL writers and analysts. We'll feature expert guests and our plugged-in beat writers from around the league. What Patrick Mahomes did in the last nine minutes is just absurd. You can subscribe now to the Athletic Football Show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcast provider of your choice. And stay with us all season long as the Athletic brings you what matters most in today's NFL. And today's episode of Bushes Breakaway is brought to you by Manscaped. Manscaped has you covered to keep your hair looking nice and trimmed and feeling fully supportive. Manscaped offers precision engineering tools for your family jewels. The premium lawnmower 3.0 is waterproof and includes an LED light and is made with advanced skincare trademarked technology, which reduces nicks and cuts of your delicate. Ooh. You can get this trimmer inside the Perfect Package 3.0, which also includes Manscaped Crop Preserver, Ball Deodorant, and Crop Reviver Ball Toning Spray. Very nice, Manscaped. Both super practical, and they smell great, too. Plus, for a limited time, when you order a Perfect Package kit, you get two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag and Manscaped, the Anti-Chafing Boxer Briefs. Manscaped Anti-Chafing Boxers, they're cooling boxer briefs. They might want to be... They're the, the best part. They might be the best part. Who knows? You find out. You tell me if they're the best part. Get 20% off. And free shipping today with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And use THEATHLETIC20 for... And from the moose to the caboose, always use the right tools for the job. Manscaped. With football right around the corner, there is no better place to get in all the action than DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. To celebrate the return of football, DraftKings is giving all users a no-brainer start to the season. Listen up because you don't want to miss this. Have you ever heard a football team losing by 100 points? Well, for week one, DraftKings is assuring you that if Kansas City were to lose in historic fashion, you would still cash your bet. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook has moved the spread to Kansas City to plus 101 points for all users. So if Kansas City loses by 100 points, you still win big with DraftKings Sportsbook. That's a no-brainer. On top of that amazing offer, DraftKings is giving away up to $100 million in prizes to all users who enter their free football survivor pool. And all you have to do is sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook, enter their survivor pool, and you'll instantly get get a share of up to $100 million in giveaways. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code QUICK to take advantage of this no-brainer offer. That's promo code QUICK and get in on the LD action for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 years or older. New Jersey only. Other terms and conditions and restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Back to the show. Yeah, I was going to say, did, how did you guys feel when it came up Rangers? Because no one was rooting for you. I well, let, so first of all, I was pissed, but <laughs> everybody <laughs> in Pittsburgh was. Here's the thing, though: like everybody was like, I, I think you'll find this funny. Everybody in Pittsburgh was like, "Yeah, we had that coming." Like Lemieux, Crosby, Malkin. Like eventually, like it's got to be paid back. You know, we never had one. This was the, this was our yeah. first first overall ever. I think people in Pittsburgh would tell you that. Well, you, okay, you mean one that you drafted? Yes. Okay. Yes, like you're, we've had other us, players, yes. I think it was like the Yager. That was the one that was like, like it still kind of lingers around. You know, mm-hmm. Ross Lupischuk, Michael Civic. Yeah, that's a tough Where one. Where are they at now? Right. Um, yeah, I think uh, it was it, I, I think it was just such a long shot, you know, that people would really kind of talk themselves. And it, it was the draft lottery had become a consolation, like an actual security blanket from what had happened against Montreal. So when the Rangers won the lottery. It was like you were forced 
like the whole city was sort of faced with the brutal reality of what had just happened. Yeah, yeah then, then you have like, all those cups and you've this. had a superstar since 05. Yeah, it's, it's tough, man. No, no, I mean, like, though, actually, yeah, the Montreal series itself. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the direction, I think the overall direction the team is heading. But, I mean, the one thing I tell you guys is I don't know that I've ever seen a player that sells movements better than Alexis Lafreniere. In the sense that every, I feel like, Go back to Steven Stamkos, right, who was a really good player for Sarnia back in the day. Even then, there were things he did that were tells. The leg movements in his shot. or He was an unbelievable talent, and nobody denied he was going to be great. But there just wasn't that one thing that you made you feel like, oh, shit, you know, like this is going to be really bad for everybody else. I feel like for Lafreniere, it's his ability, whether it's his eyes, the way he uses his hands and his wrist, he will straight up sell a goaltender or a defenseman uh, that he's going to do A and ends up doing X or Q. Uh, and I don't know that I've really seen it at all from any player. You'd have to probably go. And I'm not saying, I'm not going to say he'll flow off or any is better than Crosby or is as good as Crosby. Right. But it was very Crosby-like, I think, and that Crosby could sell you. You know, you remember when he came in the league, he was really like one of the first players to innovate the fact that he'd pump his one leg on penalty shots to make the goalie drop. You know, like that was a thing that like people discovered how to do in like 2010. It's like shooting the three in the NBA. <laughs> 2005, like, we do this? I mean. Yeah. Yeah. So like, you know, he's kind of like that and that, you know, he'll just drop your, he'll drop, he'll, you'll, you'll lose your skates when you're around them. Uh, and it's not just the individual skill level he has and all that stuff. It's his ability, I think, to manipulate, manipulate goaltenders and defensemen with looks or moves or body movements that just make them fall over. And there's not, you don't like learn that, you know, like you, there, you don't nobody ever gets wise to that stuff you know it's just an inherent trait that players have that make them good and he has it and um i think that'll be the first thing you guys will notice is that just that that deke ability and he's like a really good poker player you know i'm really happy you say this because since the first overall pick has gone to the rangers everything has just been poo-pooing it from every angle it's like well he's not a center so he's not going to take over a game well, he's not Crosby or, or uh, McDavid. And I'm not saying he's Crosby or McDavid at all. Nobody say, who's saying that? Nobody. But this, that statement bothers me, though, because that you're making the claim that there are no impactful wingers in the National Hockey League. Yeah, we have an impactful winger on our team. one. And maybe it's true, like, they don't have that, you know, that power defensively. You know, a winger just doesn't. That's that's more of a winger thing. You know, it gets, wingers aren't really important defensive hockey players most of the time. And if, as long as they're there and present, that's really half the battle. You know, <laughs> that's really it. But, like, you can't tell me a player that can score like that or skate like that is not going to be the kind of player that can carry a team. And that's uh, that's anti-ranger propaganda. It's it's not just anti-ranger. It feels like every – ever since I, I – I was when we got Kako and we got the number two overall pick, I was super pumped and excited. It was just this new hope, whatever. Since we got the number one overall pick, all I've read is like, well, you know, he's not the best ever. could have been better. It's like, dude, we have the first overall pick. Like, this You'd have gotten that anywhere but Toronto. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Toronto would have been – Anywhere but Toronto or Montreal. Probably. Well, they won. They weren't even eligible. Never mind. Yep. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, uh, no, like any any national market like that, you probably would have avoided it. But um, you know, let those people the old they send those to old takes exposed on Twitter, and they'll pop back up in a couple years. We all have a good laugh. Yeah, I'll let my, you. Well, you can have favorite, a good laugh. I'll still be mad. My, <laughs> that makes sense. My favorite, my favorite aren't the people that are poo pooing it. Those people are just straight up jealous. My favorite has been the people that are trying to 
craft trades for number one overall because the <laughs> Rangers don't need another winger, blah, blah, blah. The Rangers would prefer to have Byfield. a center, blah, blah, blah. Like those are actually my favorite because I got you, – you can't trade anything for the number one that's reasonable. Like unless Buffalo is trading Jack Eichel, it's not happening. It's just that simple. Even then, yeah. I'm not sure the Rangers are like, yeah. You know, I don't see. I don't. I don't know if they say yes. I have no idea. Well, no. From a salary perspective, you're not getting the cost control. Exactly, and that's, you know, that's so valuable in flat cap. Yeah, hundred percent. I think that's ridiculous. Um, but you know what? The like the genesis of the comment I actually made before go back before Lafreniere, like the Truba signing was super savvy. The Panarin signing was super savvy. Drafting well was a great idea. You know, like there's ways to not spend eternities. Um, you know, going through a rebuild process. The problem is, is that you just have to make sure you have the assets and that you've got some kind of, of uh, you know, at least general stockpile before you free fall into that. Um, the Rangers did. The Penguins uh, have Sam Polan. Yeah, like when That's the Penguins it. sell <laughs> off, like I don't know what they're going to sell. That's just, that's just what it is. Like the, I, there's the farm is not really there. The superstars are aging and they wouldn't trade them no matter what. Like, do you ever see Mulkin? The Mulkin trade thing is forever, right? It's always around. Like, do you ever see it actually happening though? No. Yeah, me either. No, he'll retire there. I think, um, if nothing else, maybe he plays a year in Magnitogorsk before he hangs him up, you know? Yep. Like goes back home and like has one more round. Like I could see that conceivably. But that like would be. I actually think Malkin. I, I get you. Just get the sense that like Sidney Crosby will walk away before he's no longer an effective player. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he's too self-aware to overstay his welcome. And I think like, you know, it would be almost Lemieux-like. You know, in the sense that like, okay, I'm done. You know, I'm not. I'm not gonna. You know, even though he came back, Malkin, I could see like still being re- like you know, good way into a bizarrely late stage of his career and then doing like a Yager for a while afterwards, you know, and just going overseas and buying a team and playing for it or something. Um, what a baller but either move, way, by the way. I mean, like, like you said, I mean, at the end of the day, it's, I think the one that I think I, I'll be honest. I think all three, even Latang probably, I think is probably likely to finish here. Yeah. I don't see them moving. And that's how you like, that's your next generation. So it's like if you don't trade those guys and get the assets for them at the end of their careers, could you even do that? Who knows? Um, it's- yeah, but if we're, if we're talking about guys the Penguins might be drafting, and I guess it's a little topical today because for some reason the Canadians became the first $15 million goalie team. Uh, but it, it begs the question, everybody likes talking Matt Murray. I think he's more than available. I think if you wanted Matt Murray tomorrow, I think you could have Matt Murray. But what exactly should the Penguins expect to get for Matt Murray? Well, I don't trade? know. I don't know anymore, right? Like, I would have thought a pick. Maybe that's still the case, but they don't seem to really, like, value them all that much. So I don't know how strongly they feel about it. I think they have to try to get a roster player. Specifically, a roster player, like a number four that they could play on their bottom pairing. That's really what they try to go. And it, I don't think that's unreasonable to expect for a goalie that's really young and has won two cups. Um, so I would imagine the goal is going to be to try to recoup some form of pick uh, and try to get some kind of roster player that can impact you today. Um, somebody that could fill in on that, that bottom pairing and, and give you good minutes right out of the gate. 
Uh, I think that should be what the ask is. Um, we'll see where that ends up, but um, it's there right now. It's like this forward collection party. Like how many forwards, you know what I mean? Can you accrue um, and what various positions can you play them in? But they have, they have uh, a hole on defense right now that, that number five spots open and it comes with a big responsibility because you're playing with Jack Johnson and just that's the challenge for anybody. So who does that player, what does that player look like? Uh, can you get a player like that for Matt Murray? And I mean, I think those are the, the questions they're looking at. Does it concern you at all the amount of goalies that are available? I mean, the unrestricted free agency market, notwithstanding, because you have Holtby, you have Leonard, you have Crawford. And then it sure sounds like Marc-Andre Fleury is going to be available. Darcy Kemper might be available. Uh, if we're playing, if we're trying to play the old hits for guys that have rings that might be available, I mean, why would the Kings continue to hold on to Jonathan Quick at this point in time? Like, should the Penguins be worried at all that maybe there's just too many goalies available? Uh, no, I think this guy's is a deal that'll get done before unrestricted free agency happens. Um, this is kind of the pitch I think on this is like, you know, the cost already, right? You know, the, the track record. Um, so why wander into a situation where you don't know how much you have to pay when you've got this right here and it's pretty cheap. So, you know, what the question is whether or not teams have the assets to dance with you, right? Or are the interest is teams in a position to give up assets to dance with you in the trade? But I think this is a deal that because it's a trade, it gives you the ability to get it done early and you confront teams to say, like, look, we don't have to deal with the mystery of free agency here. Um, this is this is tried true and we can we can hash something out now. Jesse, thank you so much for uh, taking the time here. We went a little over our time available, um, but thanks for chilling with us and talking about. Penguins and the Rangers and also coaching and the first overall pick. Sorry that made you angry. Uh, why don't you go no, ahead? And, okay. Why don't you go ahead and plug everything you do for the athletic and in your life? Yeah. So uh, got, we got a, a piece coming up on the athletics going to do a, like a little video analysis of the Kisperi cabinet trade. So if you're interested in finding out what's coming to the Metro division, we'll have that. Um, and then in addition, uh, dying alive, we do a little podcast over there. Uh, the dying alive show, um, which is a, it's a quote Yammer Yager said before he got traded to New York. He said he felt like he was dying alive. Wow. Um, so we're doing bi weekly as well. <laughs> so uh, that's where we're at. Okay. Well, we'll check that out. And uh, thank you so much for, for joining us today, Jesse. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Have a good one. Bye-bye. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.